This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, it's recording. Cool. Uh, I am on the phone with Evan, and Evan has this property that's on the screen, so pod people can't see it, but maybe maybe I'll put this on YouTube and then people can see it. And uh, I have now been on the phone with Evan for about 3.2 minutes, and uh, uh, Evan has informed me that he has listened to only one of my podcasts, so I think Evan doesn't know what he's getting into here. Um, it's very possible, yeah. At the same time, one of my Patreon peeps is like, hey, I would really like to hear more stuff where uh, it's like site evaluations. And so uh, uh, at the same time, Evan foolishly parted with the hundred bucks for the advice I'm about to give. <laughs> Evan, I'm not giving you your money back, okay? Hey, oh. the ship has sailed. Oh, look, there's a house that's like near yours that has solar panels on it. That's kind of nice. Definitely, okay. I uh, have I have noticed that house. I wonder, I wonder if there's a way. So I see your your thing, your image here. Is there a way to kind of zoom? I don't know if there's a way to zoom. Wait, you know, if I was smarter, I would have linked you right to what I took the screenshot of, right? Okay, I'm zooming. I, I did it. I, I'm, whoa. Are you doing? Like now it'll only show me, wait, wait, there we go. Boom. There, look at that. <laughs> I feel smart and stuff. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to guess that this is three quarters of an acre. Am I close? Pretty close, yeah. We're just shy. I think they call it, it where we are about a, a farmer's acre. So I think they wanted to give you just shy of one because it probably had to do with voting rights or something. But essentially about an acre. Okay. And um, you're near a train track. Um, so, you know, you get to flatten all the pennies you want. That's That's got to be nice. Um, and we get infinite road spikes, too. We have a lot of those rail spikes just kicking around, so they're, they're really good wedges. You'd be surprised. Oh, nice. Nice. You, you can get some welding art going on. Okay. <laughs> good idea. Uh, it looks like you've got a backyard. It looks like you've got a lot of trees. What kind of trees are these? They are uh, primarily oaks, so they're pretty tall oaks. And um, this, I mentioned actually a little further down here, but there's some of this cover has been removed. So not a ton of it, but where we where I wrote garden, naturally that would be a pretty crappy garden under that cover. So those trees are actually gone. Um, um, and those are actually some pines where you see the word garden. But, um, but the majority of the tree cover we have here is uh, is our tall, I believe they're red oaks. And then we've got some um, some pines that are a little shorter. You actually don't even see those here. That okay. Okay. So, um, oh. this is just to show you that we're near a whole bunch of, like, farmland. And so we get a lot of visitors in our yard. So it's like that's relative to the train tracks, and then I've got a little red dot there in the lower left corner where we are. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's just to point out we get a lot of friends that like to visit our, our spot here. So I think the more we plant that's interesting to the local 
fauna, <laughs> uh, the more they're going to come enjoy our property. Which is kind of one of the things I was, you know, I, you know, I wasn't sure your thoughts on, you know, what are sort of some natural strategies I can take to sort of, you know, knowing that they're just going to always enter the yard. Okay. Um, you know, it's not. So by friends, you mean non-human friends? Non-human friends, exactly. Okay. So it's it's skunks, it's um, a lot of smaller things like that. We also have fox that'll come visit, the occasional coyote. Um, that's the majority of it. Sometimes some wild turkeys. We've seen some deer. Okay. Where where are you like? in the world so I'm in the northeast I'm in Massachusetts so where our zone is um, I think I, I think it's 6A I think that's what I figured out first time I've looked it up actually since we moved alright All right. and this is the garden we put in so so on the left where you see that fence there were pine trees there we removed them so now this is a lot more sun um, and this is you know the fence isn't done of course <laughs> uh, but this, yeah this uh, is was that is some, yeah that's some compost from um, there's a local pig farmer it's actually not pig manure but it's a, he, he's a pig farmer but he also has a huge compost operation so a good friend of mine has uh, a big old truck and so he's able to bring that in as much as I need it and it's relatively affordable naturally I, I want to not always bring inputs in and, and be making it myself so I do have worm bins on site um, but this is this was sort of a kickstart because this area needed some some, some organic material to kind of get things rolling you can kind of see on the left the sandy material like how sandy it is there that's really what I was working with under the grass okay okay and then the, this little pile in front of the uh, compost yeah that's just uh, that's some some fresh fairly fresh wood chips I have I have a smaller pickup truck that um, I can go locally to a landscaping company and get wood chips for like like a, you know a few dollars a yard all day long um, so that's just some chips that I was using to make make paths and um, and also just to, to cover soil wherever I can. As you can see, I didn't do a great job in this photo, but I'm just working my way through them. All right. <clears throat> the people that are normal listeners of the podcast know that I discourage people from hiring me as a consultant because I'm just going to make you cry. And uh, and you, sir, have stumbled into this nightmare that's about to happen. And and so I, I part of me wants to apologize. Part of me wants to point and laugh. Uh, and and it's like, but we're off we're off to a grim start because you don't even know what I'm going to say yet. But I think most of the pie people already have heard this so many times, and, and so I'm going to. But it, but here it comes. Here, it's coming. Brace yourself. <laughs> I'm holding on. I'm holding on tight. Wearing you should wear a cup right about now. Wearing a cup would be good. Um, all right. Buying commercial compost. Okay. The, it, I, I was about to say, like, maybe this is going to be okay because it's like, oh, I got it from a pig farmer. And then I thought you were going to go on to say, okay, it's pig shit and this other stuff from the farm, and it's a totally organic operation. And and then I'd be like, maybe this is okay. But, but then you took a hard left, and you're like, doesn't have any pig shit in it, though. So... I can see some grasses growing in the top of it, and it looks like, you know, towards this side of the pile, there might be something with some leaves growing in it, or it might just be a leaf that fell on it. Yeah, that um, fell. But you are right about the about the other stuff growing in the top. It's sort of a, a grassy, yeah, something that came with it for sure. Okay. No. Having stuff grow in it is great, especially if it's not grass. Because the problem with any purchased compost is that all of it contains persistent herbicides. And the persistent herbicides are broadleaf herbicides. So what happens is is that the things that you want to grow in a wonderful vegetable garden turn out to be dominantly not grass 
you, you want like a tomato plant. A tomato plant is not grass. It's a broadleaf. And so then the, uh, the broadleaf poison that is in this commercial compost is, of course, going to poison your broadleaf, your tomatoes, or your squashes, or whatever it is that you're trying to grow in there that's not grass. So it's kind of like, oh no, don't put that on your garden, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to put it on my lawn because someday I want to grow other things besides lawn. Um, it's like, you know, I think a lot of us are going to try to grow a garden and and, and grow all kinds of things to have this wonderful permaculture jungle that we're going to install. And it's going to, and the quality of the food is going to be far better than anything you get at the grocery store. Unless, of course, you were to poison it all. And then it's worse than the stuff you can get at the grocery store. And so it's kind of like, ah, man, ah. So um, now that you have it, I'm not even sure what to say to do with it. I would, if if I bought your property and I saw that, I I would haul it away or give it to a neighbor or something like that. Hey man, you want some free compost? Good tea for free. But hey, it's it's your choice. But but I'm nervous because I'm not seeing a lot of broadleaf stuff growing out of it. And when you use commercial compost that has the persistent herbicides in it, then um, sometimes it's like the upsides outweigh the downsides, and your plant will do better. But then if you make your own homemade compost and then you you put that on your garden you'll on a different part of your garden you'll find that part of your garden is generally like far lusher and then of course there's going to be those times where you go to put this stuff on your garden and everything just simply dies and and you might think i'm exaggerating but um not only have i heard from a lot of people but i have a whole video on youtube where i visited a bunch of different places and that's exactly what happened a bunch of different places and it was randomly i was there to to talk to him about other things and it's like oh yeah my garden's all dead and, mm. and then one gal it's like you know her her passion in life is gardening and so she said she had to pay $3000 to basically have her whole garden dug up and hauled to the dump, and then she brought in new topsoil from another site. It's it's sad. It's it's just grim. So, there you go. Do you see what I'm saying about I'm just going to make you cry? <laughs> no, that's actually I think that's helpful because you know there's due diligence that I now need to do is understand like you know because my understanding of the guy's operation and I'll make this brief because like I'm not going to try to necessarily defend because I don't know him personally is that you know he he's the local guy that the people who do tree chipping and service will bring and he explicitly has he's sort of like you know the Seinfeld soup Nazi where if you bring branches or anything over certain sizes you're not allowed there again and so my understanding is that he does an organic operation with regards to the way he turns the piles and he doesn't spray but I don't know where he's sourcing you know right so like it's very possible things are being sprayed that he's getting chips from so point very much taken um, and and um, as far as the, how it's working so far, just for what it's worth, you know, I have had mixed results. There were some things that I got seedlings that I didn't grow myself, and those didn't do well with this. Like, this basically didn't do right with those. But all the tomatoes that I started from the seed this year, this was what we basically grew them in, and the tomatoes themselves look pretty good. Um, we've had very good luck this year, but that's not to yeah. say the problems that you mentioned don't exist. So point very much taken, and, and um, I'm going to have to really think that over for sure. 
All right, now let's talk about the, the pile of uh, wood chips you have. Um, I mean, okay, so you got a place that has wood chips, and you go there and you get it. That's like locally chipped wood, and you're thinking like, local, that's great. I'm not, I'm not importing the toxic waste from far away, but <coughs> chances are that that these wood chips are urban wood chips, and so. Um, these persistent herbicides are being used more and more and more in urban environments. And, in fact, what kind of happens a lot of the times is that somebody's got a lawn, and then the guy, they're like, uh, I want to hire a service, or I'm going to get this, you know, herbicide or whatever. I want to get it so that I kill all the dandelions in my yard. And it's like, oh, well, we've got this great stuff. It's, uh, it, 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 makes, it doesn't hurt the grass at all, but it kills all the dandelions. And, and on top of that, it lasts like five years or more. So you only have to spray it once. Isn't that a deal? And they're like, oh, sweet. That's so much better for the environment, they say. And so <clears throat> this is those persistent herbicides. So they spray it all over their yard and like, man, look, it killed the dandelions. And for some unknown, mysterious, unrelated reason, my tree died. My tree, which is not a grass, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, crap. Well, you know, now that it's dead, it's threatening my house. It's going to fall on my house. i got to call the tree guy to get this out of here. So the tree guy comes, and he cuts it out, and he's going to, like, take a bunch of it, and he's going to do what to it? He's going to chip it. He's going to, he's going to make these wood chips. And uh, it's like, man, we've got way too many of these wood chips. I wish we could find some sucker to take this away from us. And then, and then you show up. Hello, I'd like some wood chips, please. And and then uh, they're like, sweet. So what happens is is that this plant, this tree, has taken this up, taken up this poison, and then died from it. And then while the poison is still in the tree, it got chipped up, and now it, here it is. Now, granted, it's possible. This this tree came from like an organic yard, and it died of a lightning strike, or uh, it died of old age, or something else, you know. And that's that's why it died and got chipped up, and that's why you have it. <clears throat> However, more likely, uh, all the organic stuff, which by the way is probably less than five percent got mixed in with all the non-organic stuff, which is 95%, and they all have all their different kinds of toxins and whatever else in, in those tree chips, and they're all mixed in, and that's that's what you got there. And so, I, you know, 50 years ago, doing these two things that you did, brilliant, smart, awesome, quick, cheap, Wonderful. And now we're in 2020, everything's different. And it's like, uh, oh, it's so hard now. Uh, in the end, mostly what you want to get is probably seeds. But there are ways. There are ways to get wood chips that are going to be safe. Um, but it's like you're going to want to go like 50 miles out of town to a, a sawmill. <clears throat> where all of their wood comes from forest land and none of it comes from an urban source. Uh, that's going to be pretty safe because the foresters are just too damn cheap to, to pay for that stuff. They don't, they don't, 
They don't want to pay for any of that. They might put a little bit alongside the roads once in a while. That's about it. Um, but compost operations, they are, they, they are all contaminated. Then it's just a matter of, like, have they been able to reduce the contaminants and, like, somehow have only, like, 10% of the contaminant that, that their competitors have? And, uh, you know, but there's also other varieties, too. Uh, like, a lot of times you go and you get something kind of like that looks like what you got there. Your pig farmer is probably not doing this, but a lot of times they, uh, a lot of the compost operations will get the, uh, the solids from the sewage treatment plant. And now it's, it's ten times worse. Plus, there's also this other thing, too, where a lot of composting operations are going to um, basically be bought out by some kind of company that's trying to get rid of their toxic waste, and um, it's very expensive for them to properly dispose of their toxic waste. However, if they relabel it as a plant nutrient, then um, there's a loophole, and they can put it into uh, stuff that has the word compost on it. All right. I, I'm <clears throat> Sorry, Evan, you, you're, you're just want. You just you're just shooting for such a lovely, nice thing, and I'm kind of like destroying everything. I wish I had super happy, you know, hearts, flowers, and rainbows things to say for you. But uh, this is this is what I got. Hey, that that is a okay. I guess my question would be, you know, is 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 one of the answers to be making more of these materials just on site? You know, with my worm bins, try to make more compost. Should I? I do have a chipper that just it doesn't work yet. I'm refurbing it, so is it, you know, chipping more stuff that's already here? I mean, I've only lived here a couple of years, so to be fair, the problems you're referring to may already be on my site, right? Okay. You know, I don't know what people in the past have sprayed. So, yeah, what what you know? I'm going what to do. do? <laughs> I'm going to do my very best to try to, uh, I don't know, uh, trap you into living your life the way I would live my life if I were there. And, and it's like, I, I, so one of the things you said is, I own a chipper. And, and, it's, and my response to that is, I hope you have a yard sale soon and sell it. Um, I, I mean, when you run the chipper, are you thinking, like, man, I just love running this chipper. It smells good. I love the sound of it. It really helps me bond with nature and and find my zen when I'm running the chipper. I'm not sure. Is that is that how you feel about your chipper? Uh, I mean, I'm a drummer, but no, I, I, I can't say <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that that's accurate. <laughs> okay, clearly I'm asking the wrong guy. Anyway, but no, okay. So it's still not. Even though you're a drummer, it's. You're not finding your zen. It's not a fun experience, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, even though. Okay, all right. Because I feel the same way. I feel like, wow, this thing as I'm running it is generating all this stink, and it is so loud. And and it's like I just don't – I'm not getting my, my permaculture groove on while the chipper's running. Now, granted, I think that, uh, you know, earthworks are important, in which case, like, I'll totally bring in an excavator and do something. Um, <clears throat> but then it's like, when I'm bringing in an excavator to do something, it's kind of like, well, this sure as hell beats doing the shovel for, like, seven days straight. <clears throat> the excavator is so much faster, and it moves everything. So, so I kind of feel a little bit of 
diesel chain. But they're coming out with excavators. They're all electric. I'm so excited about that. But that's another story for another day. But, but focusing, focusing on this, I kind of feel like anything where I can, I can run a wood chipper on it, I can come up with 20 other things to do instead of that. And so I, I don't like, I don't like the wood chippers. <clears throat> so I want to person, but that's a personal choice. Um, and, and I got, I get a lot of people that are like, uh, they don't, they think I'm nuts for not liking the chippers, but all right, let's, let's set the, let's set the chipper aside. Um, the big thing is, is that, okay, you've got the better part of an acre. You got a lot of trees, any of your conifer trees. So that looks like a cedar in the background, right? Uh, very possible. Yeah, I think it is. Okay, I don't know if it's on your property or not, but I can say that um, conifers tend to be not good permaculture players. They um, they they tend to be a, a form of allelopathic where um, not too many things do well growing near them. There are some trees where, like for example, black locust tree. I think everything loves to grow near a black locust tree. Uh, but unlike a conifer, conifers kind of, Seth Holzer says that they make a, uh, a conifer desert. So, yeah, getting, getting rid of conifers seems to me like always, always a good plan. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I'm zipping through. Oh, look, the fence is now done. Was it done before? <laughs> not, not quite done, no. It's okay, still, still right. working through it. It's just a right. closer one. Okay, okay. We got um, one half of it done this morning, then, actually. So we got some, we're making progress. All right, so you're putting this fence up. And uh, I think I think you're, it looks like the kind of fence that goes around a garden because you're going to try and keep something out. What are you trying to keep out? The idea is really just the small, uh, so things like skunks or we have gophers that like to eat things and they have eaten things. So we know we can't protect things forever, but my, my thinking here is the younger plants or maybe we have some smaller fruit trees I'm trying to start. Um, but it's it's sort of uh, this is one of I think many strategies that I'm hoping to to employ, um, but largely just you know the, those size, size animals you know gophers, skunks, things that want to come in and eat what we've made. Okay, all right, all right. Um, <clears throat> that looks like the kind of fence that'll get that job done. Um, I I might possibly uh, put some rocks along the, the bottom. Um, just in case something wants to try to start to dig a little bit or something, because the rocks are great because that way air can still get to your fence and and help your fence to, uh, keep it from rusting. Um, great idea. Uh, we'll, right, I'm we'll skipping over all the wordy bits and no, just, totally fine. So this uh, we're going to cover in polycarbonate. <laughs> um, it's going to be essentially like a little bit of a garden shed and a place for us to maybe overwinter some plants. Okay. It uh, yeah, it's it's not done yet, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, it needs an overhang for the roof, and um, but it really it's just you know sort of a an in between. We have a big garage, but I wanted something a little closer to the garden for some tools, and also maybe a place for us to start some seedlings or at least kind of transition them into the garden from wherever we start them. All right. Um. I'm going to, I mean, there's, I think there's a certain, certain kinds of stuff you want me to talk about here. Yeah, you can, if this doesn't seem worth the time to speak about, we can kind of move, move on. I mean, I think the only thing I'd want to speak through here is passively heating and cooling it, but I mean, that's, you know. Right. 
right? And and so, but I, I guess what I want to do is um, I, I want to express some frustration over some of the material choices, and uh, and it's and it's probably not what you're hoping to hear about on this, but but I kind of feel like okay, um, when we when we pursue certain paths, it's like how do we uh, connect more with nature? How do we have a, a a life that's a little less toxic? And you know where do the toxins come from? And and of course part of it is 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 living in the city. You, if you live in the city, you kind of live in the big brown cloud. And um, I mean I'm sure you've been outside the city and you can look. And then when you guys are approaching it, you're like, wow, <laughs> look at the brown cloud over the over the city. But you know it's it's actually a combination of like uh, 500 little things everywhere. And so I, I'm going to try and minimize my time being whiny about some things. So you've got the plastic on the roof, and, of course, the plastic's going to off-gas and be a, a toxin vector. You've got the wafer board in the back, also called OSB, and uh, that's you know made with a lot of glues, which are going to off-gas and as a source of toxins. Wafer board on the floor, same thing. The uh, cement blocks on the bottom, uh, those uh, also known as cinder blocks, those are going to, of course, contain Portland cement and a variety of other materials. And then almost all cement companies, much like the one I mentioned earlier about compost companies, have been purchased by companies that are trying to get rid of their toxic waste, and they can embed it in the um, in the cements. And so they're they're kind of doing that. <clears throat> There's something plastic back there. Um, and, and then, of course, the I think these chairs may or may not be plastic. I'm not sure. Plastic buckets. Like a, I mean, yeah, finished wood of some kind. But yeah, I, probably. I have to. I have to tell you, we're not perfect here either. But we have managed to eliminate all of the wafer board, all of the plywood, and um, and we have. Uh, I in previous projects long ago, I used the same plastic uh, stuff that you got on your roof. Up here, and I, um, I've managed to get away from that as well. And so, um, all all I'm saying is, is I kind of wish to discourage you from these things. Now, moving along to the general design, which you want to hear about, as opposed to all this other stuff, is that, um, uh, like, like if you put a lot more, let's say, let's say it was glass. I'm just going to use the word glass. Um, for reasons, skipping past the plastic. So let's say the whole thing is covered in glass. Well, um, whatever it is you put in there, there's a little bit of a problem. That is that it's on a sunny day, it's going to get too hot. And then on a cold day at night, it's going to get too cold because the glass or your plastic is not going to be very good at insulation. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the the thing that we just did a Kickstarter for, um, the uh a truly passive greenhouse experiment. Um, uh, I mean, we're doing a lot of weird stuff that's very different from the structure that you're doing here. And of course, we're also what we're what we're doing is also you know a much bigger build than what you're attempting to do here. So um, it's kind of like uh, um, this is going to this is going to be a lot easier to just generally do. The other thing is, is that since you're in a city, then um, it's possible that there's building codes issues to deal with. And um, uh, if, and I think a common thing that I've seen, I, I know that some places that if your whole structure has a, a square footage of under 100 square feet or under 200 square feet, 
it slips under building code stuff. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what the story is in your area. Yeah, it is under 100 square feet, I believe. Okay. I know that in other areas, an exception is is to uh, if your structure is on wheels or on skids. Uh, and so we do a lot with structures on skids, but for different reasons. Uh, but this looks like it's well under 100 square feet, so you're probably going to uh, shimmy in and be fine. What are you going to do for siding on this? Um, well, I'm rethinking the poly now, but essentially the idea was going to be a, to sheath it with some, with more polycarbonate to make it see-through okay. and then um, finish it with wood. But, I mean, glass sounds like if I'm going to finish it with something um, see-through at all, it, glass seems like it'd be a better path, naturally, because we have gas in very good point. Yeah, I, you know, and what I, I think a good thing for me to emphasize at this point is I, I do not wish for you to pursue perfection by these standards. But as, instead, as you're trying to build things, once in a while you can find ways to do better. You can find ways to um, uh, find find paths that that may not be perfect, but <clears throat> have more glass, uh, have less glue. Um, with a big eave, you could do less paint, things of that nature. <clears throat> and then, of course, try and find a way to get away from um, cement in all of its forms. And there's your quick, there's your sack of quick reet over there. Yeah, point very mistaken there. There's so. a bobcat. Look at that. It sure is. So, uh, so that's for another property we have. Obviously, Bob has a little accessor for a city property. We haven't developed the other property at all, really. It's just, you know, we're just starting to kind of make a small site there. And, and the goals out there are very, I wouldn't say very different, but um, it's not an urban site. And so, you know, kind of to your point about glues and glass, um, the goals out there are to do things much, you know, with much fewer chemicals. Uh, really, okay. none if we can avoid it, right? Um, naturally, right. Just a, you're looking at a diesel machine as I say that, but uh, naturally we're trying to weigh, you know, a lot of diesel up front as opposed to having to use this longer term. So this will help oh. us create some roads and those sorts of things. The cool thing about a piece of diesel equipment like a bobcat or an excavator is going to be you go in there, you do the job, and then all that diesel goes off-site. And so it's not there anymore. So it's it's more likely that you can end up with a permaculture paradise that is your sanctuary and is less toxic. Um, <clears throat> at the same time, while you know I'm really rooting for the future of where we have uh, electric options, we have a, an electric excavator, an electric bobcat. And those things seem to be coming, uh, coming soon. Uh, they're just they're just not here yet. Uh, and so in the meantime, we make the best of it. I know that um, Sepp Holter uh, has a thing that he says where it's kind of like the problems that we're trying to create were made with these this giant diesel powered equipment, and um, and he can see no way to repair the problems without the giant diesel-powered equipment at this time. And so uh, I, I kind of agree with that. And um, I, I want to minimize our use of diesel and at the same time um, 
rooting for that new electrical stuff. Okay, what are we looking at in this picture here? Just some, like a staging area, just some space. It's just like not really. So this is across from our house, and the person who lived at our home before us, as you probably noticed with that huge garage, um, he worked on cars, and so um, that tells us a couple of things, right? There's probably a lot of gross stuff in this soil, but at, at any rate, it's space. Um, so I was just pointing that out. Uh, and those are some bricks for a small patio area that we put in. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of sun here, um, but really it's just sort of a staging area currently. Okay, and so this is at your property that's just shy of an acre. Yeah, exactly. So this is... Because that other property we were looking at earlier that had the bobcat, how many acres is that? No, so that's here, actually. That is oh, our house here. Oh, it's the same property. It's the same property. Yeah, same property. Um, but I just mentioned the reason we own the Bobcat. Uh, it'd be a little excessive for one acre. Um, <laughs> but we have it because of the other spot. So it's just currently in our house here. Ah, okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. Um, so we've got uh, a, a spot of soil that probably has been abused chemically. Um, not sure, but maybe. Yeah, it seems possible. A lot of invasives in terms of not weed and, I mean, you know, or, you know I'll just say things that we, we didn't plant that volunteered. We'll say that. Right, which oftentimes in the permaculture world, the things that volunteer, uh, oftentimes labeled invasives, are some of the things we want. They're like, oh, yeah, no, this is great. Let's have Oh, yeah, there's gradients, right? I mean, I'll take bittersweet over not weed any day now. <laughs> yeah, and then there's, of course, some invasives which are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to um, discourage you. And so, and there's exactly. an asphalt there, too. I can see the asphalt. Right. And uh, do you guys, I imagine you guys do have uh, mullen over there, right? I don't know if I'm familiar. Mullen? Yeah, I'll sometimes call it great mullen, uh, verbascum thapsis. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's a, uh, anyway, the reason why I mention it is I've seen uh, mullen tear up asphalt. And uh, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do this spot right now, but I'll plant a little mullen there <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, let the mullen do its thing for a few years while I work on other places, and then I'll come back to this later. But I, I kind of think that if I owned this property, I'd probably be digging up the asphalt and hauling it away. That is in the short term. Um, we want to replace it with um, probably crushed stone or something more natural. As you can see, there's some. So there's a view facing the house from where I just showed you. So just kind of giving you some more context of where we sit on the hill. Okay, so we're, we're up on the top of the hill. I'm glad to see slope. Slope is so much better to work with than something flat. Um, but, okay, was that garden we were looking at? Was it over here? Exactly, exactly. Right, okay, all right, all right. And then there's the bobcat. And uh, is this some kind of, it uh, looks like cement-based bricks in here. It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, point taken about the cement, so that's like right next to the house. We'll, we'll avoid putting that anywhere near anything. Anyway. Yeah. But I mean, taken. go ahead and use it for stuff, you know. Um, I would probably get rid of the commercial compost and then the purchased wood chips. Mm -hmm. the, the toxins that are going to be in your cement are pretty well locked up. They're like, like I'm kind of thinking like, go ahead, make your thing that you're going to make with whatever, the, whatever you're doing with these bricks. That's all, you know, it's going to be relatively inert. It's, it's not a big toxin vector. Um, I mean, the mission is, is to be better, but not perfect. And so I'd probably get rid of the compost and the wood chips, but I'd probably try to make use of these bricks, though. Unless, and, and well, I, 
yeah, if I got the bricks for free, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and use them. But if you paid money for them and could take them back, I, I might. But that's me. But I'm not. They're not as bad as some of the other things, like mm-hmm. the asphalt. I would take the asphalt back, you know, and I'd go do something else with it because um, it looks like it's in an area where you're you're not thinking like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna park things here. I'm gonna park vehicles here and stuff. So, <clears throat> all right. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget. Go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.